Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend that I met about a year and a half ago, and we talked about doing a podcast, and now we're doing it. Emily Evans, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, Emily Evans um, graduated from UVU with a psychology degree. She lives in Salt Lake City. She's a return missionary. Um, She served in Texas. She was in the San Antonio mission, and then that mission got split the last, just the very last part of her mission. And she um, was part of the new Austin mission. And I love both of those cities. So I guess you have dual mission citizenship. You're the graduate (laughs) of two missions. (laughs) Um, And you spoke English in Texas. And and she's going to share her story as a gay Latter-day Saint. It's going to be a journey trying to figure out if she's bi or gay, if she likes guys, doesn't. Um, she's in her 20s. Um, she's in a position now where she's in a long-term relationship with a woman and not fully participating in the church, probably not going to church at all. Um, she's respectful of the church. She has a very active family. She's glad they're in the church and they're supportive of her and so some people say, why do you do a podcast if somebody's not active in the church? And it's a good question. Um, I, I want to reduce the divisiveness that sometimes exists between um, people and where they are or not are in relation to our church. And we're all the same human family and we honor agency. And I think we should be as kind to people considering joining our church as we are to compete people that perhaps have stepped away from the church. And let's preserve the relationship. Let's honor their agency. Let's leave judgment at the seat feet of our Savior and just love people. And that's kind of where I've netted up in the space where I see people, particularly LGBTQ people that may have a harder path. Um, I always invite them to follow church teachings and to stay. But if they self-determine their path, best path forward is, in, in Emily's case, a same-sex relationship, maybe a same-sex marriage down the road, then I will just support her so this is just one of the many stories um, we're sharing. This may be helpful for you if you're younger LGBTQ, figuring out should you share a mission, even if you're not sure of your future after a mission. Emily will share some thoughts about if she's glad in hindsight she served a mission or not. And um, just she'll just share her story. We said a prayer. We hope this, this podcast is helpful for you as parents, as local leaders, as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And every story is a little different, so I'm excited to hear Emily's story. I bet she'll share some things I've never heard before. Is that okay for an introduction, Emily? Yeah, that's great. So I will just turn it over to you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Perfect. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this. Um, I guess to start, just kind of a background growing up, my family has always been very active in the church. Uh, Right now, my dad's serving as a bishop. My family. Um, my two older brothers went on missions and have been married to the temple since and have stayed, you know, active in the church. My family's kind of always been active. I have two very happily married parents. Um, so growing up in the church, you know, I loved going to young women's. I loved primary. I loved being, you know, beehive president, Laurel president, all that. Um, I always loved, you know, going to church. I loved seminary and participating in that. And yeah, I always kind of had fun with that. Um, as far as growing up, um, you know, I guess if we're going attraction wise, uh, I feel like I always enjoyed like, you know, when I was in sixth grade and people were flirty and 12 and hormonal. Um, I think I always kind of had like fun with that, like everyone else did, you know, but I wasn't ever 
boy crazy like some of my friends kind of were I wasn't ever like I don't know super attracted to like the hot celebrities at the time you know between me and my friends um but yeah like I enjoyed the like little flirting and whatever um and then looking back so I have I have six brothers um and no sisters and so looking back I think I always wanted this quote-unquote like sisterly bond you know so I would have this, I guess you could say, emotional bond to some of my friends or um, I played softball growing up. So like, you know, my coaches, teachers, things like that, that were more not like a romantic or sexual attraction. It was just kind of like an emotional bond there. And to me, it was always, oh, I've always wanted an older sister. So this is kind of, you know what, I think that's just kind of what I associated it with was always always wanted like an older sister bond. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, maybe I just, you know, was able to emotionally be more attracted to women as it was. Um, But then in in high school, I went on dates with boys. I went on, I went to dances with boys and I kissed boys. Um, And then my freshman year of college, I actually dated a guy for, I did like nine months and it like, it was fun dating. We were compatible as friends. Like we got along very well. And I think just growing up in, you know, just kind of the societal mindset of men and women date and get married. It was like, Oh, the next step is to just be boyfriend and girlfriend, I guess. Like that was just kind of, you know, what happened. And actually kind of around this time, um, I had a friend that I realized that I was in love with and I was like, I don't really know what to do with this information. I'd been in a lot of denial in high school with attraction to people. There was like a rumor that went around that I was lesbian and I was like, someone told me about it and I laughed and I was like, I don't think so. No, you got it wrong. Um, But then my freshman year, I, you know, had this friend that I fell in love with my freshman year of college, by the way. And I just didn't really know what to do with that. Um, We are still like, we were good friends during that time. She actually like, I told her about it and she was super great about it. She's straight and had no interest, but she was a really good friend. And I was with this boyfriend and he didn't know. And I was like, well, I'm going to keep dating this guy. I think I'm bi. And I'm going to just keep dating this guy. And hopefully this like love I have for my friend will like transfer over to this guy. Cause he was a really great guy. Super nice. Treated me well, very respectful, like, you know, checks the boxes for what a good partner may be. And so I just kept dating him and I was like in love with this friend. And when I figured out I was in love with her, I, That was the first time in my life I ever felt like my testimony struggled. Um, I was, that's where I was feeling a lot of, you know, bitterness, mostly towards God, where I was like, how can God love me if I'm, you know, feeling this way? If I like girls, this doesn't make any sense. Like I felt a lot of bitterness and anger towards, mostly towards God, I would say, than necessarily the church. And so I went through these, these few months of, just being super, I would say, depressed and angry and 
trying to date this boy and he didn't know what was like he didn't know anything he was just we were just dating and after those few months um i started to just see the people in my life and recognize like god's love for me where i kind of had this opposite perspective experience where i was like well i have all these amazing people in my life. I have a wonderful family who loves me. I have wonderful friends. How can a God who doesn't love me send me all these people who are incredible? So I kind of was feeling God's love through all the people that I had in my life. And that was kind of my, like, as you could say, quote unquote, softened heart moment, I guess. And it was kind of gradual over, you know, about month, month and a half that I was like, okay, my bitterness started to like go down a little bit. And I was like, okay, but if I'm if I buy like, this is okay, I can still marry a man. Like, all right, we can go with this. Um, and then soon after that, I had a very like strong impression to go on a mission. I had just turned 19. People had asked me, are you going to go on a mission? Are you not? And I just kept saying, I don't know. But it was more of a like dismissal. I don't know, not a... I don't know. We'll see. It was more like an, I don't know, like shut up about it. And yeah. So then I kind of got this slap in the face from God that was like, you need to go on a mission. And I didn't question it. I was like, okay, I guess I need to go on a mission. Um, so then I spent that summer kind of preparing for a mission. I was still dating this guy. At one point I told him I was by and he was like, okay. He didn't really care, but I was like, okay, I'm by. I'm going on a mission here we go. And then, um, after, after kind of the summer was ending, I was going back to a final semester of school before this is now my sophomore year of college, um, going to another semester before my mission. And I was talking to this friend who I was still in love with and she, and I just kind of had a talk and she was like, are you sure that you're bi? Like she was like, do you, are you in love with your, your boyfriend that you've been with for nine months at this point and have known for almost a year? And I, anytime someone asked me that, it was kind of a not yet, or I will be, or kind of like this futuristic, like, I probably will be in love with him sometime. And she was like, is that not like a red flag that after nine months of being with him, that like, is this not like alarming that you are not in love with this man? And so we had this talk and I was like, oh crap, maybe I'm not romantically attracted to men at all. And then I looked back on our relationship and there were times that I wasn't feeling that spark, the butterflies, the things that you essentially should feel in a relationship. I wasn't feeling any of that. Fun to hang out with, great compatible friends, but there was just not that romantic spark with it. And it was then that I was like, oh crap, have I ever been attracted to guys actually? And then, you know, and then at that point I was like, well, I don't think I'm bi. I think I'm gay. And I mean, kind of fortunately, I'd already gone through kind of like the, you know, emotional angry part of it. That was kind of a new thing being like, okay, I'm gay, not bi. How am I going to handle this? But at this point, my mission papers were in and I was getting a call in like a couple weeks. So I was like, whatever, I'm going on a mission either way. So I just kind of accepted it for what it was. And so I got my mission call 
I broke up with him the day after and was like, hey, look, like, I love you and we're great friends, but I'm not in love with you. And I don't know if I ever can be. And I'm going on a mission. So let's be friends. It was kind of a mutual like thing. He was on the same page. He's like, yeah, I can see it. So then I got prepared for my mission. I told um, before my mission, I told just a couple friends that I was gay and I told my parents and my two older siblings. Um, and that was kind of it because I was like, I'm going on a mission. I just figured this information out for myself. Like, I just don't feel like I need to be public about it. And probably right before a mission, that's probably not a good idea, you know? So then I was broken up with this guy. Everything was good. I was still like in love with this friend, but emotionally in a better place to where I could like handle it. And I was fine. And then, um, so this is February, 2019. I left on my mission and it was awesome. I met so many great people there. I have this newfound love for Texas that I never had before, but I love Texas. And I had a great experience on my mission and I was perfectly fine teaching, you know, people about the gospel and the commandments and how, you know, we live in the gospel. And I kind of had this like accepted plan for myself that I probably wasn't ever going to date and I probably was just going to be single my whole life. And I just kind of accepted that. Um, I wouldn't say I was like, necessarily okay with it ever but i had just kind of come to an acceptance and tried to find peace with that kind of being my life and so i went on my mission taught people you know about the gospel and you know people would ask me i didn't i didn't tell a lot of people on my mission either i i had a few close friends on my mission that i felt comfortable sharing you know that i'm gay and i had pretty like good experiences with that and they'd ask me like, well, how do you feel about this? Like you're teaching about, you know, the law of chastity. How do you feel about this? And at the time I was like, well, I just, I know what I know and I'm here on a mission for a reason. So I'm fine teaching, you know, these things. This is, I know I'm supposed to be here. I know I'm supposed to be teaching. Like it was more like, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't. So I was fine teaching it. Um, had a great, like I said, great mission experience to this day. I don't, I don't regret it at all. I met a lot of great people. And I think my mission is what really helped me come to like the main principle of just loving people. You know, I, t- I served in Texas where there's a lot of different people of a lot of different Christian religions. But at the end of the day, everyone loved the Bible. Everyone loved Jesus. I would say that all the time. And I mean, in the Bible, the first two commandments are love God and love your neighbor. And so it was on my mission that I was like, why are we just not loving people? Why get caught up in like the numbers of stuff? Even on my mission, I was like, why are we getting caught up in things that I would consider fluff of the church that are just things that aren't necessarily the basic doctrine? You know, there's cultural things or things that are not necessarily doctrine or on like the temple recommend interview or things to be temple worthy that I think are perspectives that some members have. And I just, on my mission was like, what's the point in all this? Like the basics is the lessons you teach on the mission are super basic. It all centers around the atonement of Jesus Christ and loving people. 
And that's kind of honestly what I took from my mission was why not just love people? If someone's not like hurting themselves, hurting you, why judge people for how they're living their lives? And that was just something that I feel like I really adopted on my mission and helped me become a more compassionate person towards a lot of different people. I met a lot of people from different backgrounds, um, different sexualities, different races, different religions. And I just think that was the biggest thing that I adopted from my mission was the fluff didn't matter to me. It was more about, let's just love people. Let's be Christ-like and loving towards people and focus on Jesus' atonement. That's the center of everything. So here we are. So I kind of adopted that from my mission. And I feel like I came home from my mission, a more compassionate person, um, just more loving and accepting of everybody. Well, then I came home from my mission, served for a year and a half and came home. And I just had no plans to date, had no plans to do anything with that. I mean, I came home during COVID. So people weren't like asking people out in person anyway. It was all about dating apps. So even then I was like, I just don't know if I have a desire to go on dating apps. I don't even know where I would start if I wanted to date people. So I just didn't. I was just living a life, hanging out with my friends. I made good friends on my mission. And I was doing great. And then um, it was probably, it was like right before my little brother went on his mission. He left um, January of last year, so 2022. So we're talking fall of 2021. Um, He was going through the temple for his endowment. And I went, you know, I went with him. And that was like probably the first time that I had started to like not be, I think I was very good at being like, I like everything I don't know just kind of gets swiped away and it's fine. Just stick to what I do know. That was the first time that I started to have more like questions about the church, things I just didn't understand. Um, Not like anything angry or major problems, just things I didn't fully understand. So this was before... I even thought about the realm of dating, you know? And then I think for a few months, I just kind of had this like, not anger, but probably like this sadness of, oh, I'm not going to like have a person to like love my whole life. You know, I, I wanted that. I wanted to have someone to give all like my love to for my life. And I think I just had this like sadness of like, that's probably never going to happen for me. And it was, like I said, kind of an acceptance of, I'm going to be single my whole life and do what I'm doing. But I just don't think I was necessarily happy about it. Um, So then, you know, that was a few months. Fast forward to about a year ago, actually. um, I downloaded a dating app just out of curiosity, just kind of like I've... I had friends that were on all these dating apps. And so I was like, I just want to see what the hype is. I want to see what this like even looks like. And I like, wasn't really talking to anybody. I wasn't interested in talking to a lot of people. I was very hesitant to even be on it. Um, There's even a prompt on it that said like, don't hate me if, and then I said, if I don't message first, because I was like, I'm not like going to take, initiative for these things. And 
Um, but I would like swipe on people, say if I liked their picture or something like that. And I got a DM from this girl. Her name is Avery. And it was, where in Italy did you travel? Because on my like profile, I had that I'd went to Italy before. And so that was the first message. It wasn't, you know, kind of the typical, hey, what's up? How's your day? It was just, where in Italy did you go? And so I was like, okay. So I just kind of rolled with that. I was like, I can talk about Italy all day. Let's talk about Italy. And then, you know, after that kind of died, the conversation just kind of kept going. It was very natural conversation. Um, super easy to talk to her. And after a couple of days, I was like, oh, crap. Like, what did I get myself into? This is... I'm actually talking to this girl and I think I like her. I mean, we hadn't met in person yet, but I was like, it's really easy to talk to her over text. How great is it going to be in person? So I liked this girl. Um we decided to meet up and go on a date. And then I liked her even more after seeing her in person. And then I was like, shoot, I like this girl. I am in just kind of an interesting position right now where I just wasn't sure what to do. So I kept her kind of in the dark or like in the dark of my life where I was like, no one knows about her. No one knows about this girl that I like. No one knows that I even got on a dating app. This is like the secret of my life. And I spent like a month and a half probably figuring out what like I wanted. Like I just I just didn't know because I was like, I'm kind of at this split decision where like if I'm gonna actually pursue this girl, I have to kind of reevaluate where I'm at with the church and what that means for me. And I think for me, it was just this realization of like, I'm talking to someone who like, I like someone and she likes me. And that's something that people experience in sixth grade, having crushes, having their sixth grade, like boyfriends and they like each other. And I realized like, I've never actually had that experience of liking each other. It's always been, you know, I have a crush on a friend, but she's straight and whatever. And I don't even tell her or it's boys have crushes on me, but I'm not straight. So that's not going to work out. And so I was like, oh, is this what people go through? Like this, this butterfly, this excitement, this, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here waiting for her to text me back because I like her and she likes me and this is how it is. And so then, and then I started to kind of reevaluate like, okay, I'm just like loving a person, you know, taking gender out of it. I'm loving a human being. And isn't that what like life is all about? Just loving people and being a good person. So, um, so at that point, I'd already kind of stopped going to church frequently, um, and not have anything angry. It just was kind of happening like that. So then, after like a month and a half, I was like, "Yeah, I want to like pursue this girl and see what see what can happen." So I slowly, over the course of a few months, told people about her took me about four months to tell my family because I kind of thought like once I tell my family, that's going to be like, you know, at that point, probably extended family is going to know. And then it's just going to roll from there. And I had to like be okay with whatever backlash I may or may not get. I had to like accept the worst, if that makes sense. And so I got to a point where I had accepted the worst, but I honestly have, received a lot of positive things. I can't really think of anything that's been completely negative. I've had a lot of 
really supportive people. Um, I don't feel like I've really been treated any differently since having, you know, a girlfriend and being gay versus being gay and active in the church, you know? And so, um, yeah, that became a more public thing. I never had a post on Instagram or anything that was like, Hey, I'm gay. I never had a, this is my girlfriend. Slowly after that, I just started to like, she would be in like a little post. I went on a trip with her family and she was in that post and probably a lot of people didn't know who that was. And then slowly I put her on my story on Instagram and, you know, eventually it just became more of a public thing. And then um, a few months ago, we, you know, just started talking about what we want for the future for us. and. um so we, you know, are planning on getting married. We want that life with each other. And I just think where I'm at with the church is I'm I'm good. I'm good with my relationship with God and Jesus. I feel like that hasn't changed. I feel like, you know, I know they love me and I'm doing good things with my life. I'm not all of a sudden some horrible person. I'm the same person I am, just have someone to put a lot of love into. And I'm just loving a person. I'm taking care of a person. And I think that's kind of where, like how I feel is I'm just loving a human being as a husband may love his wife. And I'm just, you know, I'm loving someone and my family's still very active in the church and they have been nothing but great towards me and my girlfriend and vice versa. Um, She doesn't have you know the same beliefs we have her and I have different beliefs but there's this mutual respect and understanding of as long as you don't try to push me to believe one thing I won't try to push you to believe one thing and we're going to be good and she's been great at my parents house has never she's never showed any anger towards my parents or anything it's just that we can mutually exist and love each other without having the same beliefs and that's okay we can just be loving people and make everyone feel loved and accepted. And I just feel like that's all that I've really gotten from all that. My family's been that way. Um, She's been that way, you know, on the opposite end, her family, none of them are in the church and they've accepted me as they know I'm a return missionary. And sometimes they'll like poke fun. She's like, I never thought I would date a return missionary. And so we'll kind of laugh about that, but you know, our families are very different, but there is a mutual like, love and understanding and respect in our beliefs and we all just you know love each other with that and I would say I still you know say that I am a member of the church I don't think that you know I've necessarily left the church I just am not practicing I'm not going to church but I still have a lot of the same beliefs and biggest difference is I'm just dating a girl and that's kind of like the basics of it is I'm dating a girl and I love her. She loves me and we want a life together. So that's pretty much it. That's my life right now. Thank you, Emily, for just sharing your story. Every story is different. Um, I've got some questions for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you could, you're in this situation where you've fallen in love. I'm going back pre-mission when you're figuring out your sexual orientation. And you're dating this guy, pretty serious relationship on, on, and everything mm-hmm. looks good. 
and concur with that, you fall in love with a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you did a good job of explaining this. If you could describe, you know, the difference in those relationships. One was never an official relationship. But right. you fell in love with a straight woman. Um, and you're dating a, a straight guy. And it's, yeah. but you're recognizing over time the chemistry is not there. Just go back and describe the difference between falling in love with somebody and and having a good relationship you recognize you're probably never in love. Any more thoughts on that? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because I think that there's um, sometimes this image that, especially with gay people, where it's like this sexual attraction. And while that's a part of attraction, that's not really like the biggest thing. And for me, I recognized that my boyfriend was an attractive man, very handsome. And I recognized that he was a great man and I loved and cared for him. But there wasn't that, I didn't see a future with him. I didn't care or think about a future with him. It wasn't, I want to spend my entire life with this one person. And I could see me taking care of this person and wanting that versus this friend who I was in love with, the straight girl. I, it was like this additional like draw to this person of like, I want to be with this person all the time. I want to like take care of this person. I want to be, you know, a source of this person's happiness. I want to like love this person and take care of them un- like in this intense way versus with him it wasn't like that i loved him the same as i would my other friends we would um so i went to college down in cedar city and we'd come up to orem for the weekend and i'd spend a lot of the weekend with my friends because it was this draw to be with my friends that i didn't have with him as much it wasn't this oh my gosh i miss him so much when i'm gone it was like oh yeah like i'll see him later tonight Versus my friends, it was like, oh, I miss, especially this this one friend was, I miss her the second, you know, I leave her, I want to just go back and go be with her all the time. And I just didn't ever really have that with him. It's good. I like, because it just, there may be other listeners trying to figure out their sexuality and your story may help clarify things for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you were in two good relationships. They were just different and you've, I'm added some vocabulary. My wife always used, tells our kids, and they need to be giddy. I don't know where she got that word from. They just sort of, which is kind of what you're saying. It's just in love, and you can't imagine a life without that person. And you're looking, mm-hmm. you care about that person. You care about that person's future. I think falling in love is this umbrella term, but I think, you know, when my wife and I fell in love, who's from Texas? She would love hearing all your love for Texas. She's taught me to love <laughs> Texas. You know, there were probably, you know, 10 or more things we fell in love over. Um, there was romantic love. There was, you know, there was friendship. There was common goals. There was, but there was, you know, we were giddy for each other. We were, mm-hmm. we were not, we met at BYU and then we were separated as I went and took a job and, you know, our whole week was just planning on our weekends together. Mm-hmm. And so I reckon I, you know, so. Um, so I thought that was helpful and, um, respect for both of the, the woman you opened up with, um, some would just kind of run, you know, here I'm a straight woman and I've got a gay woman 
that's interested me. And I recognize the maturity of your age group, but she didn't just bolt. In fact, she stayed with you uh, and sort of helped you figure out your sexuality. And I think Mm -hmm. your conversation with her um, helped you to understand you might not be bi, you might be gay. And so Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of stories of somebody falling in love with somebody and opening up to the other person. It ends badly because the other person doesn't know what to do with that and they get scared and end the relationship. Um, you know, if you're straight and a gay person and you're single straight person and a gay person tells you they've fallen in love with you, it doesn't make sit with that for a little bit. It may not Mm -hmm. mean they want to marry you. They just may be opening up with it's happened and you may help them along the way. Um, you may feel like the best thing is to end any contact with that person, I guess, but it's interesting that your friend chose not to do that. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. I mean, we're still friends to this day and she's married with a wonderful husband and she, her, me and my girlfriend went on a double date with them a few weeks ago. And so like, we have a great relationship still and we can talk about it too. It's not weird. So yeah, I give her a lot of, um, I don't know, praise for sticking around for sure. I think that's good. And she's very confident in her own sexual orientation and who she is Mm -hmm. to be able to have a gay friend and a friend that she didn't know was gay open up with her feelings and her not to just bolt and still mm-hmm. maintain a relationship with you. Everybody's going to do that a little differently, but I think it's maturity on both of your parts. And, and this guy you were dating for so long, you know, and you opening up about being bi and he didn't bolt. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually it became clear to both of you that as you were leaving on your mission, that this relationship was going to end. And, um, it seems like there wasn't a lot of drama around either of those relationships. There was just Mm-mm. honest communication. You were honest with who you are. And that gives me hope that we can just be honest in the dating process. And it doesn't have to, it, it can end badly and difficult, but it doesn't always have to. And so I like that part of your story. Um, and I love you serving a mission. I don't know if this is true or not, listeners, but sometimes, and I'm not up to date on all the research and I'm not a scientist, but some people will say to me, well, men, sexual orientation is sort of hardwired into them. It's really clear they're gay earlier. Um, There's no fluidity in there. Um, While women, there's a little more fluidity. And sometimes someone will send me a talk of a woman who's kind of talked about going through phases and is back to straight. and um. And I don't want to trigger you by saying this is a phase. <laughs> I'm hope because I'm assuming people have said, well, Emily, this is kind of a phase. You might really just be straight and or it might be fluid. And if you just hang in there a little longer, um, this will pass and you'll be able to marry a man. What do you I'm sure you've thought about that or people have asked you that. So I think you can handle that question. So I'll let you go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, I I think that I, once upon a time, when I wasn't dating, I had this, maybe I could marry a man and have a family and whatever with a man. And maybe it could be like one man I fall in love with or something like that. And I just noticed the difference, especially now, you know, being with my girlfriend, the massive difference of like desire to be with her desire to make her happy, how I feel around her. Um, I like that you said like this giddiness. It's yeah, like the butterflies, the like, even now, like I get so excited to see her and we've been dating for almost a year at this point. Whereas like 
with him, there wasn't this urgency to be with him all the time. It was, I enjoyed my time with him, but there wasn't any sort of like urgency with him. And I mean, I guess I could compare it to um, other like female friends I have. I enjoy being with them, but even then that's not the same as with my girlfriend. It's that I just want to be around her all the time. She makes me feel safe. I have this desire to tell her everything. I have this desire to be with her all the time. And not that I like don't want to be around my friends, but it's the lack of that urgency that I, you know, with my boyfriend, I just didn't have that as much as I loved him and cared for him. I was okay not being around him and I, and I'm okay not being around my girlfriend, but it was like, I didn't miss him the same way that I did with my girlfriend. And so, and I've noticed that with other guys, you know, I've always enjoyed the like quote unquote flirting stage. And then when it gets beyond that, even with any sort of like physical intimacy, whether it's holding hands or kissing, there's just that lack of desire, if that makes sense. That's a good answer. Any comments on the fluidity that, you know, your sexual orientation is still fluid and Mm -hmm. you might Um, not be gay in 20 or 10 years from now, five years from now. I hope that's not a triggering question, but. No, I understand what you're saying. I think, I think that it's very common for people to see women as more fluid because um, women tend to just be more emotional than men are. Men are, I feel, at least in my experience, are a little bit more black and white as far as like emotional bonding. And so, like you said, I think it is, you know, for a lot of men, it's pretty clear and cut. Like this is your sexuality when, you know, you know, when you're young, whereas like with women, it's not, it's never been like uncommon for me to want to like hug my friends, whether I was romantically attracted or not. That's more of like, you know, where I think fluidity is kind of seen as like, oh, well, women can kind of bond either way. And like I said, I think for me, like the reason why I don't feel like, oh, I could be with a man emotionally is because of that lack that I like, I just don't have that bond with men the same that I do with women. And I never really have, you know, looking back, I'm like, no, there was something lacking there that is that I have with women that I have never had with men as much as I can love and care for a man. I've never had that spark giddiness, romantic attraction versus with women. You know, that's a lot easier for me to emotionally bond with a woman. It's a good answer. Thank you. Um, um, you're not participating in the church right now. Um, mm-hmm. Do you regret serving a mission? Because here you're, after your mission, not participating in the church. You served a mission. Mm-hmm. Do you regret serving your mission? Not at all. Um, it taught me a lot of things about myself. It taught me a lot of things just about life in general. Um, really helped me just grow up and figure myself out, my strengths, my weaknesses, and how I can just be a better person. And even with that, like, I'm, I talk about my mission all the time still. I talk about people from my mission, experiences from my mission. Um, I had someone from my mission who like got baptized a couple of months ago and they told me about it. And I was so excited for him because that's something he was really happy and excited about. 
I'm excited that he wanted that and I'm happy for him. And I love that my little brother is serving a mission. My other one's about to go on a mission because I remember those exciting feelings. And I wouldn't say I regret any part of my mission. I have wonderful friends for my mission, um, life experiences, a love for Texas that I wouldn't have had. And I think it just helped shape, like, to be a little cliche, it helped shape me into who I am now versus if I didn't serve a mission, I think I'd be a completely different person and probably have more anger and bitterness towards the church than I do while I've served a mission. I think I've just have a lot more like love and compassion towards people in the church and out of the church. It's a good answer. And I don't know if you can answer this question. Questions come to my mind listeners, because I think there might be people out there wondering about their future. Let's go. If I went back to your 18 year old self and mm-hmm. we could look to your current self, who's now in, you know, getting married, engaged. Avery, I believe, is your mm-hmm. is your girlfriend's name, who sounds like it's a pretty serious relationship. If I, if you could see your future in a same sex, let's say you get married, same sex marriage, would you still have gone on a mission? Does, did I, I don't know if I would have. Did I answer I, that question? Did I, did that question make sense? No, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if I would have gone on a mission. I think it would have been because I was in like a mindset of, oh, I'm just going to be single. I'm going on a mission. No one's dating on the mission. And I think I think it would have been harder for me to think, oh, well, if I'm going to just go marry a girl anyway, what's the point? You know, I think I would have had more of that attitude of like, why would I go preach this and live the gospel if I'm just going to stop participating in the church and go marry a girl. You know, I just, I don't think I would have gone on a mission had I seen my future now. So that's consistent because you're, you did talk about, I saw myself after a mission single mm-hmm. and a mission then fit into context of that path. I, you know, there may be listeners and even though you didn't answer this way, I'm not asking you to undo your answer, but there may be listeners, um, you know, gay, lesbian members that are considering a serving a mission that may not know their future after their mission, and they may pragmatically <laughs> recognize if they're gay or lesbian, they're going to, could end up in a same-sex marriage. So they're wondering, am I worse off in the side of God going through the temple and serving a mission? Is it hypocritical of me serving a mission? And I, I wouldn't rule it out, listeners, just... Um, there's no requirement to go on a mission to know your complete future. You may be able to go and on the context that not only will this help me in my relationship with God and the Savior, but I will help other people um, that need the atonement of Jesus Christ and the wounding and healing that the atonement can give. And it will give me clarity for my future. Um, I don't, that's kind of a nuanced approach to serving a mission. I, um, I, I think. Well, I, I would just invite you to receive, you know, to pray about it. There's going to be a lot of voices around you on how you should navigate your future, especially if you're out and considering a mission. But I just wouldn't rule it out on the merit that I really don't know my future after your mission. You may, you may, and that's sort of where your story is, fits a little bit with sort of my general rec- thought is you're looking back at your mission as a positive thing for you personally and mm-hmm. probably for people of Texas, even though your life has taken a turn that you didn't anticipate before your mission. So it's just something to think about listeners. I don't know if you've got any more thoughts on that, Emily. 
I just think, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think do what you feel is best. Like, even if you're unsure of your future, I think it's okay to like take that leap. I didn't know my future. I didn't know I would be, you know, dating a girl. I, I didn't know. And I had just kind of come to terms with it and thought, you know, the mission is where I know I'm supposed to be right now. I know that's what's for me right now. And while I may not be practicing, you know, necessarily the things I taught or people could see me as hypocritical, if you will, it was where I was supposed to be right then. I knew what I believed at the time. And I was, I was thankful for all my experiences. Yes. With the church and learning to just be more Christ-like but also with that, just about myself, like learning more about myself and my emotional maturity. And, you know, the mission's just a great experience for life skills, not only for living the gospel, while that is obviously kind of the purpose of the mission is to preach the gospel and share it. It was also just loving people and sharing, spreading just love to people and also like I said, finding out more about just who I am and what I want with my life. It has contributed to where I'm at today in a positive way. I like that. And, you know, so you'll need to figure that out if you're, I'm going to use queer as an umbrella term, if you're mm-hmm. queer in pre-mission age. Um, I, I think it's good to listen to other stories. I talk about this principle a lot to listen to other stories, but at the end of the day, you got to write your own story and kind of own it. I think you're better off if you don't respond to the expectations of others or sort of, you know, what people, I think you'll do better off if you say, you know, go to your heavenly father and then write your own story. And you may just like you got impressions to serve a mission. You may not, but I think if you feel it's your decision, you're going to do better off. And, and if you're queer, it may, it may help you. Um, you may reach some people because you're queer. You're just more sensitive to people on the margins. Even if you're not out on your mission, there's no requirement to be out. Sounds like you came out at times when you felt prompted to. Um, so it's just, you're going to have to navigate that, but I wouldn't rule it out or rule it. I wouldn't rule it out, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if a fundal testimony of Christ and our Heavenly Father and and His ability to heal and bring hope. and unique doctrine that came through the prophet Joseph Smith context for plan of salvation um, that I really love as part of our doctrine is we know why we're here and it gives us context for mortality. Um, talk about your parents, if that's okay. you mentioned you came out to them before your mission. You mentioned they've been supportive. Any mm-hmm. advice for parents out there that um, want to be prepared for a kid that comes out or um, want or have a kid that's out on what they can do, a kid that's out and now um, kind of going down the road to a same-sex marriage. Um, these are active LDS parents that obviously had hopes for you and living a life one way and they're seeing you, you know, on a different path. I don't mean that in a mm-hmm. negative way for you. It's just a change of expectations for them. For sure. And you're probably aware of that, but they, you seem to have said they've been supportive. Talk more about your parents. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking this question. Cause I think, you know, I think it's hard. I think parents a lot of times just don't know what to do. You know, I think there's a lot of parents out there, especially those that are in the church that don't necessarily 
have hatred or anything. I think it's just a lack of understanding and a lack of how do I kind of go about this. And the biggest thing is to, um, whether you know your kid is gay or not, whether, you know, a kid is out or not, I think it's just about talking safely about the LGBTQ plus community in general. You know, um, as a gay person, before I've come out to people, I pay attention to what they're saying about gay people. I'm listening all the time for, is this person safe? Is this person not? And I think the biggest thing is parents should be, if not the safest, one of the safest places for a kid to be and to feel comfortable being. And what it comes down to is, I think just understanding your kid's experience. How do they figure out, you know, how did you figure this out? How do you feel about it now? What do you want for yourself? And my parents, um, you know, they, when I first came out to them as gay, I was about to go on a mission. Um, I came out to them the night that I went through the temple. So I was like, Hey, here I am. I'm active. Obviously I'm going on a mission, like, but I'm gay. And they just showed nothing but love. And we're like, okay, like, I don't view you any differently. What can we do to be there for you? What can we do to help you? What, you know, what does this look like for you? And I didn't, you know, I didn't tell my parents until after I'd kind of been through my, you know, anger stage of all of that. And her biggest thing was, oh, I wish, I wish I could have been there to help you more. She understood why, like, you know, why that was hard, but she was very, I wish I could have been there for you more. I wish I could have, you know, helped you through that so that you didn't have to go through it alone. And that was something that stuck out to me. And while, you know, I think it's kind of good that I went through it on my own so that I could figure my stuff out on my own. I was thankful to hear that because she just was like, I just want you to be loved and protected and safe like she would any of her other children. Um, And now, you know, fast forward to I'm dating a girl who I'm planning on marrying and my mom, my mom has this principle of I'll pay for one wedding, whether that's civil, whether that's in the temple, whether it's with a member, non-member, gay, straight. She's like, I just have the same policy for all my children. I'm going to pay for one wedding. And that's just kind of her, her thing. She's like, it doesn't matter. And I think what it comes down to is um, treating, you know, if my, my parents treat Avery like they would my brothers who bring home a girlfriend. You know, they they treat them like anyone else that they'd be dating. Now, obviously judging like the character of the person, but gender, they didn't treat Avery like they would if I had brought home or they treated her the same as if I had brought home a boy or my brother's bringing home a girl or something like that. They treat it the same. And I think that's what it comes down to with um, talking about all these things, I think is just about normalizing it and making sure everyone's equal, you know, and that's that's what it comes down to is let's just make it normal and talk about it. Like it's normal. Talk about my relationship with my girlfriend outside of having a church lens with it. Just talk about my relationship with my girlfriend. How did we meet? You know, how do, how do I feel when I'm with her? What's something that I love about her that makes her stand out from other people? You know, questions that you would ask someone in a straight relationship, do the same with a gay relationship. And I think just re- I think a lot of people when they're first kind of coming out of the closet and figuring out where they feel and where they stand with people, it's, I think for people who like are on the receiving end of that coming out, so parents or whatever else, 
I think for them, it's let me normalize the talk of this. Let's, let's make it normal and let's make you feel safe talking about your general feelings and let's like move on and make it a normal thing. It doesn't always have to be a big thing. And if that child is going through something intense, then just be safe as if they were going through something else intense, whether it's, you know, a different personal problem going on. And I just think it's about the normalizing it and making sure you are like putting forth that effort that you're safe. You are a safe person to talk to and to be with. And I'm going to almost overcompensate and show you that I'm safe. And I think that's just kind of the biggest thing that especially parents can do is say like, Hey, I love you. Let me know what I can do for you. I love you. And I'm here to talk about your crush if you want to, you know, anything like that. I think it's just making sure they know that you're a safe place. Um. That was a great segment. It, you know, I've been in the space about five, maybe seven years now, and it's taken me a while to kind of get to where your parents are. And um, I just, I love, sometimes we create this false dichotomy that, you know, we have to choose the church or our gay kids. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think we don't say that in the church, but I think some parents sort of feel that. And so they don't quite know how to navigate this space. And other parents just say that these are um, adults that I I want to walk with them as they make their path forward. I'm going to preserve the relationship. I can't control the outcome. And I'm going to leave this at the Savior's feet. Sometimes we'll say things like, well, you're going to lose your eternal family if your daughter marries a woman. And, and then you're sort of like jolted, like, oh, I've got to do something to change this or stop this is this is eternal eternity's change for our family and i don't necessarily disagree i mean i agree with our teachings of our church and eternal nature but i just would leave that at the savior's feet and say well i'm going to leave that at the savior's feet as a parent and i'm going to do the things that i can control i can't control emily's decisions but i can control how she feels around the family and i can control um, how I'm going to support her and Avery, and I feel comfortable, you know, with this wedding and supporting it just like I would with my sons. And mm-hmm. and I don't think you're selling out. This is me talking to parents. I don't think you're selling out our doctrine to do that. I think you're just honoring the agency of ch- a child and saying our doctrine to love and support and preserve the re- family relationship. And so that's the way I navigate it. One. One guest talked about, well, we'd go to the, well, I won't get into that analogy. It's a good one, but just in the interest of time. I love that your mom said, I wish you'd told me earlier so I wouldn't, you wouldn't have to go walk this road alone. And mm-hmm. that's, um, I think your parents did a great job. But one thing, if you're starting to, you know, if you're a younger parent with just kids and you want to create a culture, recognizing you could have a queer kid. I think it, it's okay to talk about LGBT, just factually talk about straight people and queer people mm-hmm. and who they are and just normalize that. I think I my personal feeling is Heavenly Father has normalized that because he's creating people this way. I don't, I think this is how you're created, Emily. Mm-hmm. I don't think something went wrong here. I think this is who you are and you need to look in the mirror and feel every part of you is how you intend we're tended to be created just like your straight friends. No one should feel their own mistake, but back to parents, then I think you could role model say, if, you know, if you eventually 
Um, especially when you start to get in the ages where you have romantic feelings in your teenage years, you start to wonder if your romantic feelings aren't to somebody of the opposite sex. This is how I'll respond as your parent. <laughs> if you tell me that, it takes, you know, this is what I will say to you. And I, you know, we never did that in our home. We don't have any LGBTQ kids, but if I were doing it all over again, I'd sort of have these conversations as a parent, um, sort of taking the wonderment, that's not a word, out of the equation for a kid, wondering how my parents might respond to different things that they're presented with. And um, that creates, to me, a safe environment. It doesn't make your straight kids queer. Um, I don't think doing that um, confuses your kids or is too affirming that they actually get confused as a straight kid and become queer. I think it is if you actually have a queer kid, it's probably spent a lot of time thinking about, am I not straight? And even if they're not to the finish line on sort of figuring this out, the fact, like your mom said, I wish I could have walked with you earlier and, and, we had an earlier guest, I think it was Stephen Monson earlier, and says when he came out, his mom just so gratefully came out, but her, she was really tenderhearted that he had gone through, you know, all these years alone um, as her gay closeted kid, and he didn't do anything wrong, but she recognized that something was probably up with this kid, and she couldn't quite connect the dots, and it wasn't until he came out. So I think it's, and I think local leaders um, could even talk about, you know, this is how I respond if you open up to me about your sexual orientation or gender identity. That's tender space. I think every parent's got to walk that the way they feel is best for them. I don't want to say walk it just exactly the way I said, but it's something you might think about because um, you want to be in a safe spot so your kids open up and know that your love for them, you know, stays even if they're not straight. Any more thoughts about your parents or just advice to parents or anything I said that you want to say? I don't quite agree with that. No, I love everything that you said. Um, I mean, you're, you're here saying, you know, you don't have kids that are LGBTQ, but you're saying you wish you still would have introduced, you know, some yeah. topics with it. And I think with that, you know, that teaches, that can help teach kids about maybe some friends that they'll make at school and kind of, it's just more about, I think like awareness and, and teaching understanding rather than like, Oh, is my kid gay? And whether my kid's gay or not, they'll at least have an idea of what this means, what this might look like so that when they encounter somebody at school, you know, they can recognize what that could look like for this friend and kind of just teach compassion. If, even if, you know, you have all straight kids, you can still teach compassion towards those that are LGBTQ. And then, you know, if they're deeming themselves as a safe home, that could be a safe place for a kid who's LGBTQ who may not have safe parents. You know, if I think it's just about creating a space, safe space at all. And, you know, my mom kind of has this analogy of it's not really a closet. She's like, we're, we're in a house. We're just in a house. We're all walking around and we we might let you in that house if you're safe. If you're not safe, we're not going to let you in the house. But we're in a house with a lot of people. And like, so I live in a house with safe people. And if someone's not safe, they're not welcome in my house. You know, rather than a closet, my mom's like, there's no closet here. This is just, we're all just living and loving and we're all just living amongst each other. And so that's something that I love. It makes it feel 
really like inclusive of, you know, even though there is this coming out of the closet, it's your, I, you know, I came out of the closet to an awesome welcome, welcoming ally house, you know, love that. I just didn't know it until, you know, I came out there. And sometimes LDS parents um, feel if they support their kid going into same-sex marriage, like helping to fund the wedding, mm-hmm. um, then they sometimes feel um, people in their ward or their families kind of looking over their shoulder, not supportive of what they're doing as parents. And I just think that's one of the ways I, I think, you know, if we've got, if we've had some in our ward, um, where, and our ward, I think, was very supportive of these parents as they supported um, their kids going to same-sex marriage. But I've heard stories where parents feel the ward kind of, when I use looking over their shoulder, that's kind of a judgment statement that like, wait a second, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with what you're doing here. Um, I don't think you're standing up for the truth of our church. You're, you're not defending our doctrine. You're you're supporting your kid as they're going to a same-sex marriage. You're actually helping to fund the wedding um, just the way you would your straight kids. And I think we have to just honor parents, LDS parents, and help them feel our support as they're making decisions for their family. So much of our church, we've even had a conference talk that talked about the church doesn't exist in the next life. Um, but the family unit does. And so I think we need to do everything we can to strengthen families, including families like yours, as they support you and Avery and just say, we're going to, you know, we're this family, all members of this family need our love. And they don't need any of our sort of looking over their shoulder saying, this is kind of like too affirming. So that's one thought. Another thought is, you know, when a parent has a child that steps away, sometimes they have to this isn't speaking to you because I think your family's doing a good job. They have to re- kind of reconstruct the relationship because often so much of the relationships around, the, rightly so, is the church. It's mission and what's going on, who's going to the temple. And so much of a relationship with a family is in the context of the church. And now you're in a different place with the church. So some t- parents have to sort of recognize the reality of that. And sometimes they have to reconstruct the relationship and find common ground they can talk about. <laughs> Um, It may be politics. It may not be politics. It may be your education. It may be your interest in joint interest in travel. It may, you may have to reconstruct the relationship. My father um, and my oldest brother, my oldest brother has has not been active in the church since his twenties. And my parents just reconstructed their relationship with him. He was accomplishing wonderful things in his life professionally. And they just said, we're going to see this kid for the things he's doing professionally and read his books and understand what he's doing. And we're going to build that relationship with um, the things that he's doing in life and not the things that he's not able to do because he's not a member of the church. And I thought my parents modeled that really well. And my father passed away in the last year and it is 91st year. And my brother, you know, spoke, this is not, not a believing um, Latter-day Saint in the Latter-day Saint funeral um, in his home ch- chapel growing up and he just gave an incredible it was a beautiful love story yeah my parents always prayed my brother would come back to church but they didn't see him as lost they just saw him as a member of the family and that relationship was it was a my mom told me she got more comments about my brother's talk at that funeral than just about any talk because 
it was just this beautiful love story. Um, and it took a lot of work on both of them. Um, and I thought that was great. The other thought I have listeners and, um, and I think you're doing this, so this isn't any advice for you is if you leave the church, there's a lot of ways to do that. <laughs> um, one's the sort of like, you know, since I don't have a temple recommend and I don't plan to have one, I can sort of do whatever I want. Um, and, and you, and that's sort of the club scene and the multiple partners and alcohol, drugs, and just sort of anything goes. And another way to do that is, is still to hold on to God and hold on to the Savior. And um, you might be able to keep multiple of your temple covenants, even if you're not keeping all of them. Um, it's kind of, it's, you know, we don't talk about how to live life off the covenant path, so to speak. But sometimes in a pragmatic way, it's good to think about that if you've separated yourself from the church. What good can I take from the church? And, you know, the society says maybe if I leave the church or I'm out of the church, this is the way I live life. And maybe I don't need to do that. I can continue to write my own story and take what's, take God with me, take the Savior with me, take all the things I've learned. Um, you don't have multiple partners here. <laughs> Emily, I mean, you're in a monogamous right. relationship, and I think that's better than um, a multi-partner relationship. Um, mm -hmm. So you know that. And so um, that's just kind of the nuance that I sometimes invite people. I don't invite people to leave the church, but if pragmatically they say, this is, I've self-determined, this is my path. And I think it's good to think about intentionally and take God with you. And if this is your path, do it with integrity. Do it with the principles that are important to you. Do Keep your values. Keep your relationship intact. I think Emily is pretty clear. She doesn't want her family to leave the church to support her out of the church. Is that true? Yeah, exactly. And so it's just, it's just I think this is a good story of just managing the realities of people's choices and trying to preserve relationships and do this the very best you can. Any thoughts on that sort of life off? <laughs> you know, I think you're doing a good job of that, but any thoughts on that? Well, thank you. Um, or anything like I've I said, said, I kind of went through three topics there. <laughs> oh no, you're good. You're good. Um, I, I mean, I'm with you. It's, it's to me, I'm not all of a sudden super angry and living a totally different life or screwing up my life or anything, you know, I'm just, it's more just like I'm loving a person who isn't of the gender that people for lack of better terms think I should love, or, you know, it's more, just, I'm just loving a human being and my life's pretty much the same beyond that. And so with that, like you said, I'm not trying to drag my family out of the church. They're not trying to drag me out. And you kind of compared it to like politics or just general interests. It's okay that people have different beliefs or interests or ways that they live their life. You know, my job is very different than my older brother's job, who's very different than my younger brother's job. Like we're, we're all on different paths, regardless of the covenant path or not. You know, we're all just on general different paths of life. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to is like, you know, my family likes sushi. I don't like sushi and that's okay. That it's different, you know, and it's obviously a little bit of a bigger scale than that, but to put it simply, it's okay to have different interests and beliefs. And as long as there's just 
a respect of that. I just, I just think there's this um, kind of view that's a little bit different of people who were once members and, and can have kind of stepped off of that path versus people who have never been a member. You know, I think there's a very different view of that. And it's, to me, it's like, why did, you know, why does it matter if there's different beliefs? It's just people kind of figuring things out for themselves. And, and I understand, you know, parents a lot of times go through, you know, whatever they will with that. And I think that's okay to kind of figure that out for themselves. But at the end of the day, like, I just think, would Jesus show up to my wedding? Yeah, he'd be there. You know, he'd support me and love me through it. Would Jesus be there supporting my parents? Yeah, he would. And I think that's just kind of what it comes down to is like, simply like, what would Jesus do? He would love first. He would love whoever it is and support that in a, in like a loving way, whether it's, you know, following the commandments or not, he loves everybody. And I think that's just what it comes down to is just love and support and you don't have to agree and that's okay. That's good. And I, President Nelson listeners, you may have heard his talk in April conference. It was all about how to treat people and reduce the divisiveness and the vitriol. And I think our leaders of the church are concerned about the divisions within the church and within the world and the, and the vitriol. And, and you're right. We sometimes treat people that have never been in the church um, better than people that have stepped away from the church. And maybe that's harder on us because they're no longer believing the way we feel, but also recognize it's different than leaving country club membership or changing cable companies because you've paid tithing, you've served a mission, you've been active your whole life. And so this is a change at a deeper level. And I think the way we treat people that separate themselves from the church can go a long way to um, potentially help with their long-term speedings back towards the church. We can, you know, I don't want to even mention some of those real shaming comments that don't bring us together. Um, So I've got a new book coming out this fall, and one of the chapters is, you know, how do we treat people that leave the church? And the chapter is is not an invitation to leave the church. It's a bit pragmatically, if that happens, how do we respond? And um, cause I don't like things that divide us. I don't like the vitriol and the hatred and I, and, um, I have people that I really care about that have separated my, themselves from the church. And I try to just see them as God sees them as and doing good things in their life. And I recognize in some ways their relationship with the church ongoing, even not as a participating member may be influenced by the kinds of things I say about them directly or indirectly about people in general that leave the church. And so I just, you know, I think that's an area we can improve as Latter-day Saints is, is be kind to people. (laughs) Um, Mm. As sometimes I think be as kind to people considering joining our church as kind to people considering leaving and um, let's honor our doctrine of agency and leave all judgment at the feet of our savior. And you know, you can't fully participate in the church if you're in a same sex marriage. (laughs) You know, you can't have a temple recommend. So we're not debating that. We're just, and I hope if you show up at your congregation with your wife or your brother's homecoming or brother's farewell, everybody I feel should feel welcome at a congregation level. There shouldn't be a belief and behavior hurdle there. It's that to me that starts at the temple. But if you come, I hope, you know, you're just greeted with warmth and love and, and same with your wife, if you're married at that point. I think, I think that's all I have to say, listeners. Um, 
but I want to see if Emily's got some more thoughts. Um, off the top of my head, uh, I can't think of anything super crazy. Like I said, I think it's just, we all just are living our own lives. And um, I guess maybe like last piece of advice is just talking to people and asking them questions about their life and their experiences, because here I am talking about my experience, but someone else may have a completely different experience in their life. Even if we both identify as gay, someone else could have a completely different way of how they, you know, figure that out or what their life looks like now. And I think that's okay that we all have different experiences. I think it just comes down to doing our best to be understanding and to be loving. Um, Just quick point. Personally, I've never had gender dysphoria. That's not something that has ever been apparent in my life. And so that's not something that I can fully grasp or understand just because I haven't experienced it. But just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean that I can't try to understand or try to be loving. So what I've done is I've talked to people that I know that are transgender or identify as non-binary. I have several friends, you know, that identify as either of those. And it's just about talking to people about their life and their experiences and learning from that. And while I've never experienced that, I can learn and have more compassion hearing people and their experiences. So I think, you know, for straight people who may not understand what it's like to be gay in the church, out of the church or bi or anything else, just talking to people and asking them questions about it invites this open mind of let me try to be more loving and understanding and hear your experience and why I can be like hearing one more experience can help me be more understanding towards other people and their experiences. I think that's what it comes down to and could apply to probably any aspect of life, not just this, but with this topic specifically, it's just being understanding and open-minded is what it comes down to. And just listening, you know, you say, listen, learn, love. That's kind of what it is. Just listen to people without always inserting your thoughts and opinions. Um, In my a morning scripture study the other morning I read in Alma 130, and it talks about the people who are prosperous, and then it talks about all the things, you know, that they didn't do. They didn't send away the naked, the hungry, the sick. Um, it just went about how they just did good for everybody. And then they added this, then this people, which I think an invitation for us today, whether out of the church or in the church, having no respect to persons as to those who stood in need. And I love that. That's an invitation to all of us to just um, look to people that have needs, whether they're in the church or out of the church. And sometimes those are um, physical needs, like most of that scripture talks about, but sometimes there are emotional needs or a, a need to feel safe in a home. Um, and I just think that's our responsibility as humans is to is to do all we can to meet the needs of others. Um, whether they're in our church or have separated themselves from a church and never joined our church. And I think that's part of what you shared with us at the very beginning of the podcast, Emily, um, love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think we sell out our doctrine of, um, I think that's one of the ways actually we make our heavenly parents happy is when they see us love each other, even in our differences. I know as a parent, that's one of the greatest joys I have with, when our six kids love each other and they have each other's back and they support each other. And so with that, um, you're a terrific guest, Emily, and a great life ahead of you and you're in a good spot. And I think um, you have a great life ahead of you and best wishes to you and Avery and 
And um, if any of the Evans family is listening, you've got a wonderful daughter and you've got a beautiful story um, that you're, that Emily has shared of your family. And so wherever you are, if you're listening or extended family or friends, appreciate all the good that you brought into Emily's life. And this is Richard Osler and Emily Evans signing off another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm-hmm.